Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. Good morning. I could leave now because Kenny already did the message for me. And I didn't know that he was going to do that. Because we never do collaborate on these things. The only thing he knows is the name of the message because he has to put it in the bulletin. He knows what the scriptures are and because they're in there and then the two hymns. And I did not know about that conversation last night because I went to bed early. It had been kind of a bad day yesterday, which is going to factor into what we're going to talk about. But I wasn't privy to that conversation. I am privy, though, to be able to watch the relationship between this father and this daughter. And it has been my privilege for God to teach me a lot about the relationship of love by watching Ken and Liz. And watching over the years, how that relationship has developed. And it is not surprising to me that when she has a question, the first person she calls is, Hi, Dad. Should not that be our first stop when we have a problem? Hi, Dad. How you doing? I'm having a bad day. Should we not go to our Father for guidance, for comfort? Jesus provided us with a new way of understanding the Father that did not exist prior to his coming to earth. When you look at the Old Testament, how did Job, how did Moses, how did Abraham David, how did they know God? What was the only way they could approach God? What was the official way? What was the way that was given to them to approach God? Something had to first what? Something had to be sacrificed. There had to be a death. What did the priest do in the temple? What did you have to bring to the temple? A sacrifice, something living that would be taken and the blood of that animal, different sacrifices for different types of things. You go through and read all the different sacrifices and how they had to be and where they had, how old they had to be and the condition they had to be in. But something had to die first before the priest could enter the Holy of Holies and take that blood and put it on the mercy seat to advocate for the sinner before God. Now, I don't know about you. That's kind of scary. If the way you had now, today, to communicate with the creator of the universe had to be something had to die first, blood had to be shed, you had to go get something that was as close to perfect as you could make it. And you had to travel to go to a spot 
where this guy that you don't know, he's a stranger to you because you live in this town over here and he's in the temple in Jerusalem, and you have to entrust him with this dove or this calf or this lamb, whatever you're offering, and you say, I, I bring this. And he disappears into the temple. You don't know what goes on there, do you? You know what the writings, you know, what the book of Moses says is supposed to happen. But do you know for sure? Were you there? You had to trust in a human agent to do the right thing to give you access. You ever thought about that? That takes so much faith to trust that the, right, that the rules are going to be followed first, right? And Jesus came and said, no, here I am. I'm going to take care of that for you so you don't have to do that anymore. And you don't have to go through all of that, finding the perfect sacrifice, the perfect lamb, the perfect goat, the perfect cat. You don't have to do that. Because here I am. I'm going to do it for you. I will be the last blood that ever needs to be shed. And from now on, the door is open. You don't have to go through anybody anymore. You go straight to dad. Pick up the phone in your heart. Hi, dad. This is a whole new way of, of understanding the father. It's a whole new way of relating to him. It's an intimate relationship. You don't have to go through a human intercessor to approach the mercy seat. We are told that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Run right up to the throne, boldly, with whatever it is that we need or want, or want to say because he sacrificed himself. Here's the only truth I know about this. He sacrificed himself for me. I know that. Because he told me. Personally, in my innermost being, he told me that now I am his daughter for eternity. That's all I know. I don't know about anybody but me. So I'm talking to you from my heart this morning. Now, when Jesus told us things, we have got 2,000 years of distance between us and his words. And people try to say, well, this is what he meant. Or this is what he meant. Or, well, my church teaches that this is what that means. Well, my church teaches that this is what it means. Well, my church teaches that this is what it means. My heart says, when he says, this is what it means. And I take his words for what they are, the way that God had them recorded. And if you look at Matthew for a moment, Matthew 18, turn in, if you would please, in your swords this morning. We're going to sharpen up our sword to Matthew 
chapter 18. Verses 1 through 4. And this is why I say that Kenny has already preached my message for me this morning. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who's, at, who's the quarterback? And who's the water boy? Right? Who's the CEO of the corporation? And who's the mailroom clerk? And Jesus just looked at him. He looked around because there were always people around Jesus. He drew people to him. He says, Hosea, come here for a minute. Come here. Yeah, yeah, come on. And this little child, he calls a little child over. And I can imagine that little child went up to him, smiled, and sat down. And he picked him up and he put him on his knee. And he smiled at him, maybe brushed a little dirt off his face or something. And he said, he said, everybody look. You see? You see this my buddy here? That's the most important one in heaven. Unless you, I assuredly, I say to you, unless you're converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. No CEO gets in. The quarterback doesn't get in. The little child gets in. Whoever humbles himself as this little child is what? Finish it for me. The greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whosoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. I believe that's what he meant. I believe I have to be like a child. I can't be an adult. I have to be the way a child is. Now, I've been a teacher all my life. That's been my career. Most of the time, I have worked with teenagers, high school and college-level kids. And in these closing years of my life, in my second career, God took me and put me in the company of children. Little ones, little baby ones, little tiny bunny rabbits. And he's teaching me, Rebecca, you're a very smart girl, and I gave you a good mind, and I gave you lots of talent. And I gave you the ability to teach. But I want you to understand there's still some things that you need to learn. And so I'm going to have these children teach you so that you never stop understanding who I am and how much I love you. Because there have been times in my life when I have taken the love of God for granted. And I've been very self-sufficient. And I have walked along with my head up and my shoulders back, kind of cocky and arrogant about things. There have been times in my life when I've been that way. And for some reason, I always manage to either get hurt really badly, flat on my back, or something would happen. 
my mother would, would succumb to Alzheimer's and become a child. And my father would need me to help him be strong. And I couldn't be cocky and arrogant and be what he needed me to be. He would put children in my life who needed homes and I would be a foster parent to them. And then he would send me, when I was finally alone, he would send me a blessing with six foot four named Ken. Because I couldn't do it by myself. And that wasn't what he wanted for me. Now, I told you a couple of weeks ago about the recital we had and how the little girl pulled away from her father and yelled at her father and said, don't, no, don't, no, I don't care what you said. Yeah, I know. I'd. And she ran over to me. She grabbed me around the knees and looked up in my face, and she had played a three-finger song, My Dog Spike. You keep hearing me talk about My Dog Spike. One of these days I'll play it for you. It takes three fingers. You might know it as hot cross buns or three blind mice. And she looked up at me with those big eyes. Did I do good? And I said, you did wonderful. And it was important for her to run to me with no fear at all for my acceptance and my love and my confidence that I can give her. And she was not scared a bit to run to her teacher and grab hold. And I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm, she's about this big. She grabbed me around the knees and I'm like, okay, don't fall. <laughs> and she ran to me like a little child with no fear, with a heart that said, they do good, they do good. I said, yeah, you did great. I have another student that God sent me who every week teaches me about Jesus. You don't know her. She's a sweet little girl, smart as a whip. Her father is in prison. Her mother, nobody knows. She's being raised by her grandparents. They have legal custody. That couple is raising a, a, a child again. She's first grader. She's six years old. They're, in the, they're ready to be done with that. And now they're raising her. And they had the good sense to put her in a Christian school where she learned about Jesus. And she's put her faith in Jesus. And every week when she comes to her piano lesson, she says, do you know, let me tell you something about Jesus. Can I tell you something about Jesus? I said, sure, tell me something new. What you learn about Jesus? Did you know he can take a fish and make a lot of pieces out of it? I said, tell me the story. Total faith, total, just, isn't, isn't Jesus great? And then her lesson this past week, she said, can I go to the bathroom right in the middle of the lesson? She's six. I said, sure. You know where it is. And her grandmother is sitting there. And her grandmother looked at me. She said, 
I want to tell you something that happened this past weekend. And she was very serious. And I was wondering if something about the son or the daughter, this child's parent. She said, my husband and I accepted the Lord. And we're Christians. And I looked at her and I said, because of Bella. And she said, yeah, because of her. Because of that love and that faith that that little child with no fear, knowing nothing but love from Jesus, has been witnessing unbeknownst. She's not witnessing Granny. Actually, she calls her Mama. Mama, Jesus loves you. She said, that, she said, do you know that? That's her witness. Can I tell you a story about Jesus today, Daddy? And she tells them a story about Jesus. And those, that couple in their late 60s have come to know Jesus because of this little child. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful way to understand God through the innocence and the love of a child who has no fear and only knows love and only knows that she is loved. The story, we find it again in Matthew 19, we find uh, the, which is where the... the I'm sorry. I'm getting a little emotional here. Let me make sure I've got everything in the right order in my head. Like Kenny said earlier, he got out of order. I want to make sure I'm in order. Matthew 19, verses 13. This is where the disciples were keeping children away from Jesus. And Jesus said, oh, don't you ever do that. Don't you ever do that. You let the little children come to me because they understand. They don't have to be afraid of me. They know I love them and they understand pure love. Don't keep children away from me because you have to accept them, accept me like a child accepts me. Knowing that I love you. I'm not somebody that doesn't know or can express love. And the same story comes up again in Mark 10. Different telling of it by Mark. And then the physician Luke tells us about the same story in Luke 18. Jesus was not speaking metaphorically. He was being real. You must be like a child. You must trust him and love him and know that he loves you. And come to him with no fear. Come boldly before the throne of grace. Nobody needs to sacrifice a dove anymore. And I'm being taught this now at the end of my career to the point where I know God is not done with me because he would not be teaching me this if there wasn't yet still something for me to say for him in this world. Because it's way too apparent. So one, one more little story. I said yesterday was a bad day. That's why I went to bed early last night. I had my seventh graders yesterday. Now I'll, let, I'll tell you the truth. I say a prayer when that bell rings. When I know I've got the seventh grade class coming in. 
as a class, not my favorite class this year. They're loud. Some of them are disrespectful. Some of them don't pay any attention. They're resistant to learning. They're a challenge. And yesterday, the Friday heebie-jeebies were in full force. The, fr the Friday phantom was hovering over that class. They were loud. I couldn't get their attention. I couldn't get them to, to calm down. I couldn't get them to be in their seats. It was awful. And I don't usually have awful days in the classroom. I really don't. And I looked down, I, was, I went behind my desk and thinking, what, what do I do now? Because I've got, we've got things we have to do, and they want to have a party. And I looked at myself at the computer screen, and I saw my face was just, I looked wicked. I had a, an ugly expression on my face. My forehead was knotted up. My mouth was all tight. And I'm, I thought, who is that's me. Well, no wonder they don't want to pay any attention to me. I wouldn't want to pay attention to somebody who looked like that either. What was inside, the turmoil inside, was coming out. I, I said, prayer, I said, Lord, help me. And I sat down at the desk and I took a couple of real deep breaths. And I made myself relax. And a couple of the kids saw it. And they calmed down. And because they calmed down, the one next to them calmed down. They kind of went around the room. Took, took a minute or two. And finally they came back. And I stood back up. I said, okay, now let's get busy. And it was the regular class, like it normally is. And I, oh man, got through that one. The bell rang. They all went out. Thank you. Thank you. I made it through. It's Friday. It won't be like this next week. It won't be. It won't be like this next week. It won't be. And about 10 minutes later, and I, I went over and I closed my hallway door. I didn't have a class coming in. I, So I went to the door, and I opened it, and there was, Kenny will appreciate this, it was Sally Webb from around the corner, another teacher. She said, Miss Herring, can you step out in the hall just for a second, please? Okay. Four of my students were standing there with cheerleader pom-poms. Give me an A. Give me a W. Give me an E. Give me an S. Give me an O-M-E. Awesome. Miss Herring is awesome. And one of the little girls went down in a split, and spirit fingers and all that. And I broke down and bawled my eyes out in the middle of the hall. 
Because they had seen it. They had seen the fight. They had seen me give up the fight. And to treat them with love. And not hold them. And not be bad, you know, and not come down on them. But to continue to love them. Oh, how he loves you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you.